are listening to the Elephant in the Room podcast with your host, Sutta Singh. Each week, we will bring you a diverse range of inspiring speakers on issues of inequality and inequity. You will hear stories about fairness, justice, belonging, and about best practice for creating a more inclusive workplace. So, if you are an individual or leader interested in a fairer, equitable, compassionate society and workplace, this podcast is for you. My guest on the Elephant in the Room podcast this week is Arushi Nair, a passionate advocate for girls and women in tech, a computer science engineer, and an ambassador and community volunteer at anitab.org. Good afternoon, Arushi. Lovely to have you as a guest on the Elephant in the Room podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be on. And uh, yeah, let's have an amazing conversation. So to get started, give us a quick introduction to who you are and tell us about three things that have sort of defined your journey so far. And this could be about your experiences or about your culture or about your education. So hello, my name is Arushi Nair. I am 21 years old. I'm going to turn 22 soon. I've only recently completed my bachelor's in technology and I majored in computer science engineering. I completed it in June 2022. I feel like most of my character development has only happened in the last four years, honestly, only since college. My personal journey as such, I moved a lot as a child. We moved a lot. We moved from a city called Mumbai to Gurgaon and we moved back and then moved back again. So I think that helped me become more adaptable to different situations and people and cultures. But it wasn't anything crazy or something that I would say was significant to my journey. I think in the last four years, and I'm talking about when my college started and when the pandemic hit, I think these are the situations that really helped me grow. One of them being that when I joined college, before that I was in a very protected golden bubble sort of environment. I like to think that I come from a very privileged background where I've never had to struggle for anything as such. I mean, financially or emotionally, I've been blessed with a great family. And only in college did I meet people from different backgrounds and different situations where they grew up. And listening to their stories made me realize that what I had was truly a privilege. And I realized that I was a lot more grateful and a lot more aware about the things that I was saying and making sure that I was a lot more sensitive to people around me. So that's what college taught me. And during the second wave of COVID, September 2020, my father and my sister got dengue in the middle of the second wave of COVID. And that really hit me. It was a very scary time for our family. And I really grew, I think, as a sister and a daughter at the time. I realized the importance of my family and I realized that it was harder to be strong for someone else than to just be strong for yourself and how much effort that takes. And again, I was just a lot more grateful. Career-wise, I feel like I've had a change last year when I did my first internship, Feb 2022. All my life, I've thought that in computer science, I could always follow the path of coding. And I was doing very well in class, in coding. Um, Java made sense to me. But it was only after I did an internship in web development where I realized that I can't be coding my entire life. And it was not something that gave me purpose. And so it was after my internship that I realized that I want to do something else in computer science and not a programming desk job anymore. So I'd say these three things are what kind of define my journey so far. 
Wow, it's very impressive for a 21-year-old going to be 22. So I know you're very passionate about advocating for women in tech. What does the opportunity and change look like to you? I know that you are also an ambassador or a community volunteer at anitabi.org. And also do tell us a bit about the role that you've taken up for that. So like I said, since I was brought up in a very privileged household, things like equality and opportunity for everyone and people being treated the same were always something that was a given. It wasn't something that was new or unconventional. But it was only when I met people in my field and in my university that I realized that it was not the same for everyone and that people had to really work for where they were and really had to fight for basic rights and basic opportunities. So that was when I realized that I want to advocate for this because to me, it makes sense. It is what the norm should be. And that's when I found anitabi.org. It's the largest community for women in STEM. And their message is that they want to build a space where the people who work in technology mirror the society for which they work for. And that makes sense that if you're going to be providing solutions and technology devices, this and that for a society where you have women, where you have people from different backgrounds, even the people that work in those fields should also have the same kind of numbers. That's what they're trying to say. And so when I found the community anitabi.org, I decided to sort of become really active in that community. I met a lot of students there. I started to hear their story. And then people at anitabi.org reached out to me and they said, we'd love for you to be an ambassador. And I also wanted to be a volunteer because I wanted to help organize events, be it online or virtual. And just last year in October, I organized my very first event in college where we had a female speaker come from anitabi.org and speak to a few students. And she shared her journey and what she does in the field. She works as a data scientist in the field. And I think it was one of the first times that I saw a female speaker at one of my technical events on the panel in my college. So it was definitely memorable (laughs) and very different from my juniors. So, yeah, that's what we do at anitabi.org. We help people, we connect them to different people in the technology field. And when it comes to advocating for people, for women in tech, it honestly seems like it should be the norm. You know, it shouldn't be something that's unconventional. And as long as we encourage women to choose STEM careers at a young age, opportunity will always be made once we have more people there. Yeah, but what does that mean, encouraging women at a young age? age? Because the challenge, as I see, Arushi, I may be digressing slightly. The challenge, as you see, is there's no problem in hiring women at junior levels or at entry levels. It is about retaining those women as they move up and you're really young. So you are probably focusing on that, the potential opportunity that exists in that huge number of women who don't even think about STEM as a subject to take on. So I think maybe because I'm looking at it at a very basic level, at a very introductory level, I think going ahead, it depends person to person. Of course, some people don't see a career for them in this field. And some people, I'd say that they might not want to grow sometimes because of their social constructs and they're not as ambitious as they need to be, as I'd like them to be at least. Because sometimes, I don't know, I think maybe they hold themselves back because this is such a male-dominated field. So maybe because of certain biases, they don't want to go ahead or they're not given the opportunity to do so. So maybe because it's so hard 
to go and rise up that some people don't pursue it again it depends person to person but maybe that could be one of the many reasons why we don't have a lot of women at least rising above in these fields in terms of position and when it comes to people staying long in this field i wouldn't know i don't know how to actually answer that or why they don't stay as long because the people i've met from this field have been there for like years and they're doing well but why they wouldn't stay long i think the same reason i think because they think that this is not a place for them they won't really grow because you know the numbers are against them there's such a big gender gap that's already existing it's too much work it's too much commitment so maybe they wouldn't want to continue working in a space like that that yeah. could really discourage them yeah i think you've addressed some of my next question that i was asking about myths yeah myths yeah. and beliefs in the tech industry you've recently graduated from college as you said what is the next step do you know what you'd like to do and yeah. why have you decided on whatever you've decided to do so i know it was uh, not a very easy thing and i'm sure you're still on the journey to discovery yeah. yeah it was definitely not an easy decision because till last year before i finished my last semester i wanted to continue programming and maybe create a new software and work at different companies but it was after that i actually started programming and coding at a health tech startup called my healthcare they were wonderful people and lovely projects but it was after i actually coded for about 4 to 5 months that i realized that was not something that i wanted to do in terms of a career i didn't want to sit and just code for a career and so i realized maybe i want to do something else with my degree and growing up i've always realized that i have i don't want to say this myself but i'd say people have told me i have a knack for teaching and that if i understand the concept i can teach it well and so i thought i should go ahead and pursue that so i want to go ahead and get a masters hopefully from the us or canada or something like that but i'm not sure yet because we have a lot of complications in my application process so far but i'd like to get a masters and then hopefully a phd so i want to be a professor in a college because i know how important my teachers were for me in choosing this career and choosing this field and i know if we have good teachers we'll have fantastic students then because the teachers do truly decide the students future and how successful they will be and i know that my teacher taught the subject of programming to me so well that now it's my career and so i hope to also make a difference to anyone's life any student's life so that's what i'd like to be doing i'd like to teach for now that's the plan We've spoken about the challenges that the tech industry has on representation and even sort of forging a career path and you're still very young so you will progress and you've decided which path you want to choose also but is this the industry that you want to work in and why do you want to stick to it you could change you're just like 21 22 you could just change your interest. again i think maybe i can change since i'm going to go to be doing academics in this industry maybe it'll go from computer science to philosophy about why tech should be used there's something called technoethics i could be doing yeah. something like that where it's ethics and technology but i think i'll still always be doing something within the digital space because it's so popular and it's something that's fundamental to our lives now and luckily it's something that i understand and that makes sense to me and i'm good at it so i don't see a future where i would not somewhere be related to this field but maybe my role would change maybe i wouldn't just be a professor maybe i would be 
an activist or something like that, but I'm not sure yet. For now, I think I will still continue pursuing this field. And honestly, these myths and gender gaps, I don't think they scare me or they take me away from these opportunities. I think they just make me more excited to bring in change. And I do want to see the numbers change and things change. So you're more determined than ever before. More determined than before, yes. That's great. Uh, So in my time, young girls went to school, they graduated, did an MBA or another post-graduation, got married, got a job, quit the job or continued (laughs) the job with the family, et cetera, et cetera. You know, that was the track that life followed. Have things changed at all for young women today? I think for, again, I'm speaking from the experiences that I've had and the peers that I've seen. I don't think post-grad is mandatory today, at least nowadays. It's definitely an upper hand to have. But I know people that are getting fantastic offers post their bachelor's and postgrad is almost an optional thing that they can do if the company sends them or something like that. It's not a mandatory thing to get nowadays. Some people can go from a B-tech directly to a PhD, but that's a whole other conversation. Postgrad is now just a plus one. It's a plus one to have. It's not compulsory. When it comes to marriage, I feel like women, at least in my circle nowadays, are not taking marriage so seriously. It's not something that they need to be looking forward to. Marriage is if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. I think women are more inclined to being more independent and working towards their own careers, at least right now. And I think it's really sad and fortunate that maybe women in your days did not have the opportunity or the construct to do so. But I'm glad that's changing. And marriage is honestly, again, optional. It's not compulsory anymore. That's all I'll say. That's Yeah, <laughs> it's not just about marriage. It is about the way of thinking. It is about women and what they can do and what they can't do. I think maybe back then there weren't many opportunities for women to be earning and supporting themselves and their families. Since now things have changed and there are so many other opportunities for women to stand on their own two feet, then marriage is not always the first thing that they look at. Marriage is something you do if you want to do. It's not that you have to go ahead and get married. So I'd say that's changed, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting to hear. So I'll come to a totally different thing. How important are conversations <laughs> on climate change, net zero access of all kinds, access to education, access to opportunities, which means inclusion and diversity? How important are these conversations? What does it mean to you? And how engaged are young people like yourselves in these conversations? And there's no judgment here, right? We all have our priorities. We all do things. But are these conversations that you're having as friends or are you just talking about, oh, what am I doing next in my workplace or what am I doing in my personal life? I think climate change and net zero and diversity and inclusion, they're obviously very important and fundamental to our lives. And when it comes to climate change, I think it's something that's inevitable, something that we definitely need to be addressing. Diversity and inclusion, I think, given my field and given the role that I do play professionally, is always part of conversation amongst my peers. And that's we're constantly talking about what needs to be done, not just in my field, but in different fields. In terms of access to education, I think we're also still working on how more women can be more aware about the different opportunities presented to them. But when it comes to climate change and net zero, I'm a little embarrassed to say, but I don't think I've had too many conversations about it, at least. I do things on more of a personal level, like um, 
I'll use more green methods and things like that. Whatever we were taught in school at a very young age, like recycling and green waste handling, this and that. But I don't think I've been having any conversations, but I know a lot of young people who are very passionate about it. And it is definitely a very important conversation and it is a matter of urgency. So I think that's what I'll change this year. Maybe I'll be having a lot more conversations about climate change, net zero. That's what I'll be doing. Possibly its impact on how young people can make a difference. Absolutely. Um, So the world we live in, we've already spoken about climate change, net zero. There's so much of urgency around it. And there is polarization. There is war that's happening. There is misinformation all the time. You're not sure whether the news that you're reading is real or it is some misinformation that is being planted. And then, of course, we have COVID, which like seems to have gone and then it's come back and then it's never ending. How optimistic are you about the future Mm, or not optimistic are you? (laughs) It's definitely impacted me a lot. I think during the pandemic, there was definitely a period of uncertainty and that was very loud. I think I've definitely grown a sense of apathy, which I did not have before. But I definitely, I felt like I grew a bit of apathy towards my future and my plans during COVID because everything just seemed so unsure and that I wasn't even sure if I wanted to pursue the things that I wanted to pursue. And I think my enthusiasm was cut down a little bit for sure. Pandemic was not a good phase for my life and a lot of people's lives. Even career-wise speaking, I was supposed to be pursuing a lot of different things that could not happen due to the pandemic. So that definitely affected me mentally. What the pandemic also did for me is that I became a lot more aware of my mental health and the mental health of people around me. So I think that was one good thing that I think the pandemic did for me. I understood the importance of my family, my friends, and how I realized that it was really just your health that matters the most in these lives, you know, because you get so caught up that you don't realize that I should probably be more aware of the people around me and just be thankful for them. So the pandemic definitely, it was a period of uncertainty. And I definitely think that I am a little less optimistic about the future than I was before. But it's inculcated a sense of gratefulness in my mind, for sure. So a bit of both, I'd say. I'm not too optimistic about the future, but I think I'll get there soon. Is it like the material things that seem to matter so much in our lives and that we put so much pressure on younger people to go and achieve that? Probably, I think there has been a bit of disillusionment with that. Yeah, definitely. I think it gave us a new perspective altogether. Like you're constantly caught up in what my dad likes to call a rat race. Mm -hmm. And so that gave us a pause and gave us a time for reflection. I, I mean, I'd say ironically, I'm also like thankful for the pandemic as well, that it gave me that. It gave me that chance to just pause and look around. But at the same time, again, there were a lot of uncertainties and I was very unsure and constantly anxious about Different things, be it my college, be it my career, this and that. So a bit of both, I'd say. Ah, Have you changed your mind recently about anything? Mm, Recently. So I think growing up, I valued the number of friends I had a lot. I wanted to always have a big circle of friends because I was of the opinion that the number of people that liked me And that I could talk to, that would kind of give me a sense of validation. And that would mean that I'm a good person. And that's a good thing to do. And so 
Growing up, I always had a big circle. Every time I shifted to a different city, I used to have a huge number of friends. Even when I started college, I started with a group of like 10, 12 people. And I always thought that that meant that I was validated, that I was liked. But it was only, I think, after college ended and I think after the pandemic was when I realized that my validation shouldn't be based on the number of friends I have and that quality does matter over the quantity. And so now I have two good friends and I'm a lot more happier. I feel like at peace with certain things. I don't have to constantly be pleasing other people. So that's what I've changed. That's what I've learned about this year is that as long as you have people that care for you and that you care for, it doesn't matter if there are five, six people, as long as you have one or two friends, that's more than enough. And so even though this might not sound like such a great uh, realization, it was actually a very big moment for me. I learned a lot about myself and uh, gave up a lot of my insecurities during this time. I I think it sounds like a huge thing, especially around the people pleasing thing. We are so attuned to just constantly spend a lot of energy on trying to keep other people happy that we forget what is important for us and what makes us happy and gives us joy. So we're on the last question, Arushi. If you could have one superpower to change the world, what would it be and why? So I thought about this and I thought of teleportation and I thought of the power to fly or anything, being a genie, this and that, but none of them really made me excited. So I don't know if you watched the movie Twilight. It's a very awkward film, but it's one of my favorite films growing up. So in Twilight, the protagonists have a daughter named Renesmi, and she is gifted. And her power is that she can show the truth of the events that have played out just by holding someone's hand. She can show you the truth of the events. And I'm of the opinion that the truth does hold power. And I think that if a lot of people in the country and in terms of like the way things are panning out in terms of politics, I feel like if people just knew the truth of events, there might have been a change of how things would have happened. And so I really believe that if people knew the truth, things would have been different. Things could have been handled different. And so truth holds power and that's the power I'd like to have. That's the power you'd like to have. Yeah. Amen to that. And I hope you get that power and we get that power. Maybe technology can help you to discover that power to finding the truth. Thank you so much, Arushi. This has been such a wonderful conversation. So interesting to hear your thoughts and learn from some of your experiences. It's been wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. This has been really fun. Yeah, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you for joining us this week on the Elephant in the Room podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on any of your favorite platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. And if you enjoyed listening to the podcast today, don't forget to write a review and tell your friends. Sign up on the link in the show notes to receive updates on our guest speakers, blogs and events. And don't forget to tune in every Thursday for new episodes.